It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team podcast Rams Nation, welcome back. It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. It's the Friday edition of Locked On Rams, and yes, we are now one game deep into the season, although it be preseason. And you know I had to bring on the man, the myth, the legend, James Kroger, as we've got football action to talk about. So James, thanks for joining us all the way down there in your Orange County studios. You're here with us via Skype here in Los Angeles. So how are you doing, bud? Bear, honestly, you know, I'm not, I'm not having a good time. I, uh, you know, you mentioned we're down in Orange County. We have a couple fires over here that I'm watching progress uncomfortably. And on top of that, the Rams, my goodness, right now it's 33-7 lead against uh, the Ravens. We're losing big time. And, you know, I'm not doing good, bud. I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy to be on the show, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm hurting in multiple ways. I feel you, bud. I feel you. Well, let's talk it out. Let's kind of cool it down. Let's pump the brakes because I know okay. the disappointment truck was backing up. <laughs> we got to pump the brakes, man. We got to talk about it a little bit because you're right. We're recording right now. It's 33 to 7. There's just under two minutes left in the game. We said, you know what? I think we got a pretty, pretty good idea what's going on here. Let's jump yeah. on the mic and let's talk about it. Uh, not awesome, right? Right out the gate. Let me get a few things out of the way before we get going. Uh, you guys are listening to Lockdown Rams Friday with Bear and James. Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter, Lockdown Rams on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Rams Podcast. You can find our personals at jkroger3 and at LA underscore Rambling Bear. Give us a follow. Let us know what you think about the game. We're pretty much interacting throughout the game with people expressing our disappointment throughout the game. But you know what? As we pump the brakes, as we back up that disappointment truck we just did, uh, we got to take a look at it and break this thing down. Uh, so with that out of the way, James, I don't know where to start with this, but I think we got to start around, obviously, our, our first string players didn't play, which now looking at this, thank God they didn't, because this is one of those <laughs> ugly games that, you know, you don't want some of those guys in there for those big reps, because who knows, they get hurt, then all of a sudden we're stuck with some of these guys that didn't perform so well today. Uh, I'd like to start on the offense side of the ball and really circle and start with probably the biggest disappointment of today, and that would be Sean Mannion. I'll let you go first. Mm. What were your thoughts on the offense? Uh, it was our twos versus their ones to basically start the game, to be fair. But thoughts on that? Well, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I have a few things. And, you know, a couple more things we definitely should address during this podcast, Bear, is one, the penalty situation. Most of them were on the Rams this game. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, the the new kickoff rule. We started running when we shouldn't have. You're not allowed to uh, take off running before the kick. We got flagged for that right away. That was a bad sign. Then we come out with almost zero energy on the defensive side of the ball. It was uncomfortable. I was tweeting about it saying, you know, no communication. Uh, these corners are getting burnt. They're not doing the right pickups. The defensive line was just getting handled and then you know one of the big storylines of this preseason situation is the linebackers and who's going to be stepping it up on top of that yeah the biggest thing that we we probably should address is is the disappointment in Sean Mannion I don't know he played the, the whole first half 
I believe we had, <laughs> I believe we were at plus four yards for the whole first quarter. Correct me if I'm wrong there, of course. And then going into halftime, we had zero points. We were down uh, by over 20 points. And there's, Sean Mannion just couldn't do anything. Right now in the finale, he was three for 13 uh, with 16 yards and one interception. It was an ugly interception. He threw a few passes that he shouldn't have thrown. It was bad reading on his part. I was trying to, you know, half of me in the beginning was trying to defend Sean Mannion in a sense that, okay, besides Jamon Brown, who was the only uh, first stringer on offense to start this game, he was using a second string offensive line but you got to keep in mind this second string offensive line has to be ready and, and and be able to to pass block a little bit because you know we may need some of these guys especially the first two games with Jamon Brown being out due to suspension we're going to have to have somebody step it up here and be able to block on the on the offensive line side side uh, we had Blythe in there um, being center who we were talking about could potentially uh cover for Jamal Brown while he was out. But, uh, you know, I try to, you know, favor the quarterback in the beginning and just say, hey, you know, he's not getting the blocking. He's not having too much time back there. But then he just started making ugly passes and and had really bad reads and um, was inaccurate. And, you know, everybody on Twitter was hating on Sean Main. And I was trying to justify and find an excuse on how to support him. But in reality, it was it was majorly disappointing. This is his fourth year in the NFL. Of course, yeah, we all know that he got his first start last year against the 49ers, and that wasn't a, a game to brag about at the end of the season. But, you know, we got to step into the first preseason game with all the offseason moves that the Rams have made um, this year and knowing that we are actually really seriously being talked about as a Super Bowl contender. There's no excuse that this is the second squad. Um, there's no excuse that we can't have a progressive offense. This is very disappointing to see, uh, specifically to the offensive side of the ball. We'll get into the defense uh, a little bit later, but really disappointed there. Yeah, James, you're right on, on Sean Mannion. Three for 13, as you mentioned, 16 yards. You're right. At one point, we had more penalty yards, and this is go- right before halftime. We had more penalty yards at around 70 penalty yards, more than we had our whole offense had. It was ugly to start um as you mentioned right off the first play on the special teams we had a flag we had two back-to-back helmet contact hits right out right out of the defense and it's going to be something you're going to have to watch we talked about it in the preseason they're going to throw it a little bit more uh but definitely an ugly situation as far as penalties go i think we ended up with 11 penalties for over 70 something yards so uh struggle town all day on that uh, Johnny Hecker saw a lot of action. He had seven punts, uh, including one that went, I believe, only eight he yards. He shanked one. Yeah, he went, one went like eight like, yards. That's how bad this was. Johnny Hecker shanked one. Yeah, there had to be something in the crab uh, out there in Baltimore that they were eating <laughs> over the last couple of days. I saw all over social media. But it was. It was a big disappointment. You really expected Mannion. Like you said, I mean, it is ones versus twos. But, you know, with this high expectations, you want guys to come in and really perform and take advantage of an opportunity that they have. And they just didn't seem to do it. The blocking, you're right, was sketchy at times. And Mania had some pressure on him, but he didn't seem to move too well in the pocket. He had a couple balls batted down uh, where he kind of even slid out of the pocket, but not far enough, further enough out to make a throw. And when he did get the ball away, he was high. He was wide. He was overthrowing Josh Reynolds, who's a big target. Um, you know, they made a joke at one point that he may not even hit LeBron James out there 
with some of the throws that he was, you know, way over target with. So it was a struggle to watch as far as offensively. Defensively, same thing. I mean, they come down right out of the gate. Um, Troy Hill had a rough start to the game. Uh, He was one of those penalties that let the first drive or second drive stay alive. I think it was with Lamar Jackson. And they ended up scoring a touchdown. So instead of being 10-3 there, it's 14-3. And then the next possession, he got beat on a deep ball although was kind of there to make a play, just didn't make the play. Um, but they, they moved the ball down the field, and you talked about that with Mannion. Mannion, a lot of his throws were short, under the 10-yard mark and less, and didn't really start to open up until a little bit later in the second half. But you're right, following along on Twitter and people interacting, everyone was looking for you know somebody else there. We were ready for Allen to come in. We were ready for you know Perez to get a shot. And then people are starting to look around the league and saying, you know, maybe we need to bring somebody in. I think that's going to be a conversation that me and you are going to continue to have. Is is Mannion even the second string backup option at this point when he played that bad? Uh, but it wasn't all bad. We'll get back to the defense side of the ball. But while we're talking offense, I do want to talk about a couple highlights uh, that we did see. Well, before we turn this into extremely negative lockdown Rams. Our running backs, backup running backs, played extremely well. First, it was Justin Davis, seven carries, 41 yards, 5.9 average per rush. And then John Kelly coming in in the end of the second, third, fourth. Uh, he had 13 carries for 77 yards, one big mm-hmm. run of over 40 yards that me and you mm-hmm. both text each other about. A great cutback, looked amazing. So knowing that we've got that third down back option uh, behind Todd Gurley is great. Malcolm Brown started the game with three carries, one yard. Didn't look very impressive at all uh, with that, that first unit. Uh, so we'll have to kind of keep an eye on to see how he fits in because he's basically the number two guy right now, a guy that's been in the system for a few years. Uh, but other over positives in the offense, can you give me anything? Well, honestly, dude, I was really happy when they finally let Allen play because, yeah, he was – 10 for 15, 73 yards with a touchdown. Uh, And also John Kelly was exciting to see because uh, he actually did average the same as Justin Davis, 5.9 yards per carry, but he had 13 carries for 77 yards. And just that breakout run that he had was really exciting because, you know, he's somebody that we've been talking about ever since the draft. And I posted a video of some of his highlights from college. And I just knew that he was going to be kind of that breakout quick running back. And it was, you know, as depressed as I was, which I tweeted from Rams podcast is I'm, I was excited to see John Kelly kind of lift me up a bit towards the end of the game, because knowing that he has those capabilities, uh, could be really beneficial as far as the depth of this offense. Um, but yeah, back to the the quarterback situation. Mannion, you know, when there was about three minutes left in the second quarter, I was I didn't even want to see his two minute drill. I I was ready for him to be out, and I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt with you know not being blocked. But Brandon Allen, I was really impressed with. You know, I I was I, I loved the the decisions he made and the confidence he had behind the line. But another thing that kind of bothered me is you know immediately we saw that uh, Cornelius Lucas wasn't doing a solid job. He allowed uh, a sack early uh, with Mannion in the in the first quarter, and it was pretty disappointing to see because he's just one uh, position ahead of of Joe Nopalum and the uh, death chart. And I was anxious to see what Nopalum was going to be able to do. Another thing that we've been kind of watching and, and keeping as a story, Bear, is the, the tight end situation because you and I were at training camp and we were discussing who's going to be that, uh, you know, the, the tight end that's going to make the team last year. Tamara Hemingway, who's, you know, been a fan of the show and we've been watching closely for a while now, missed all of last season with a broken, broken leg issue. 
you know, the first time he got the ball, he dropped it. Um, his eyes, he had turned around. He was looking way ahead and just just didn't concentrate on making that catch. I was really disappointing because I'm rooting for Hemingway. He was also doing – he was doing pretty good as far as the, the pass block is concerned. He was you know, staying with this guy. But he did end up having a holding penalty later on in the game. And I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about uh, Hemingway and the tight end situation and what Sean McVay's kind of thinking there because he didn't really – he didn't really prove himself to me today. Uh, he had only one catch for six yards, and then obviously he had a penalty against him and then a drop pass that he totally should have made. So, uh, you know, on the worrisome block, Tamari Kemingway is kind of uh, – he's, kind of, he's kind of stressing me out. Yeah, you're right. And, uh, and that goes to many of the people that played. Not a lot of people had great games uh, when, you, when you get blown out 33-7 to in, in your opener as preseason – uh, but he did. He did have that big holding penalty. He had his first drop, and he got majority of the playing time at tight end to start the game. So he was in there as a starter. Could have been a, could have been a good opportunity for him to go out there and make some plays. But he wasn't the mm-hmm. only one that disappointed. So unfortunately, you know, kind of looking up and down uh, some of these the stat sheet here, you know, there's not a lot of things jumping out as far as on the stat sheet and the receiving side. Uh, Hodge, who had two catches, 14 yards, and the touchdown, obviously. But long story short, the offense struggled, right? Allen came in, had a little bit of burst of energy, seemed a little bit more comfortable back there than Mannion. Mannion just looked, you know, frustrated since the beginning. He's a new dad. Mm-hmm. You know, he just had uh, his wife just gave birth a couple weeks ago. He missed a couple practices. So I don't know if maybe that's going into it. He just had a kid, and then they left coming over here, missed a couple practices. If that maybe internally mess with them a little bit um you know we talked about the heat when you first mentioned it you know that they seem just kind of out of it uh, but this is maybe a good lesson for all these guys to have is to kind of get shook up on that first game and and it was crazy looking to McVeigh on the sideline I've never seen yeah. him so distraught and just kind of lost and frustrated and you yep. know not that jumpy energy that we love that excitement that big smile that run around rah-rah type of stuff he just kind of looked almost lost in this role of getting a blowout because it did. It turned into a blowout pretty quick, even within the first quarter. I think they, they scored on their first three possessions. Uh, the defense did settle into it. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. I want to jump over really quick to a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with more on how our defense did. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a post-mortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. 
The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, we're back here for the Friday edition of Locked On Rams. I'm Bear Motter, joined with James Kroger here, and we're kind of breaking down preseason game one. It was uh, a big letdown as the hype train we talked about was off and running, and we were all really excited. And obviously, we knew closer and closer to the game that we weren't going to have a lot of starters playing. In fact, you know, our whole defense, our whole offense, in a sense, other than, as you mentioned earlier, Jermon Brown got the start. But still a lot to break down, still a lot to learn, because we talked about it earlier in the podcast, that linebacking core was going to be something we're going to be watching all throughout the preseason. And although the team didn't perform well and, and we gave up points, I think the lack of energy and really just kind of making it difficult for the Ravens, which didn't happen at all. Um, but once we kind of, you know, we were down 17 at that point, but we really started to settle in. Uh, we started to hold people to field goals. We had some turnovers. Mannion had a turnover. Uh, I think we had two turnovers in total that put them in pretty good position. We held the field goals. They ended up missing one. Uh, this could have been easily, this could have been a 45 to nothing blowout, but our defense did kind of settle in. We saw a couple good things uh, coming from them. I saw Kaiser played pretty well, came up and made a bunch of plays in between the tackles, which was nice to see. But overall, thoughts on the defense side of the ball, James? Well, honestly, you know, there's a few things here. Um, one, to start off the, the game, we just had way too low of energy, dude. It just seemed like they were not ready to play. I had tweeted out from Rams Podcast, I don't know if this is due to the humidity. It was pretty much sarcastic and joking at that point because – I don't know. I don't know if this team was relying so much on the offense that they just didn't feel like they needed to step it up against Joe Flacco. They did pretty much start their first team O against us. And Joe Flacco ended up being five for seven with 71 yards and one touchdown. And dude, at the end of the day, Robert Griffin scored on us. Robert Griffin the third. I'm pretty bummed about that. Um, but <laughs> well, just, don't be too you bummed know, because you never know as we're looking for a backup quarterback. Depending on what Baltimore does, I think they're only keeping two quarterbacks. That might be a guy that's out there that, you know, a team like the Rams, when we're struggling, may have to look to see who's going to be our backup. And it, weirdly, I saw him earlier and I thought, is this a weird audition right now that he's doing? You never know. <laughs> well, hey, right now I'll take it over Mannion because uh, he was way more impressive. And uh, he, he scored against the, the Rams defense, of course, second or third team at that point. But yeah, um, you know, majorly disappointed with the effort, the communication issues. Everybody's had their eyes on the linebacker situation here. And even the defensive line really let everybody down. These guys were uh, doing a great job uh, as far as their um, pass blocking was concerned. Nobody was getting through, hitting Flacco at all. The line, the linebackers, you know, 
there was a lot of miscommunication there, even on the secondary side of the ball when they had plenty of uh, wide receivers that were open with with lots of space. We didn't communicate well in the secondary. Um, one person I will say that I was actually impressed with in the beginning, especially not you know not so much the second half, but Bryce Hager. Just kind of looking at his stats, he did seem to be all over the place. He may have had a couple missed tackles and potentially bad reads, but at the same time, he was there when the play was happening, and he did have some solid tackles. And he was, you know, as far as effort is concerned and energy levels on the defensive side of the ball, he was impressing me early on. Um, another thing I want to bring up with you, Bear, is this this new rule situation with the helmet uh, tackling. That's, you know, yes, it's a global issue across the NFL, and everybody's going to have to deal with it. But it seems, looking at the the Bears Ravens game last week, it was one of the first. It was the first penalty called, and then uh, this week they seem to be pretty friendly being able to to call that play. I think they're trying to make a statement with the NFL, like, hey, we're really looking out for this. You guys stop with that with that head tackling. But it's kind of an awkward situation on the defensive side of the ball especially when you're a linebacker or in the secondary cornerback or uh, safety position because that's just what you've been used to your whole life you know you obviously don't want to point your head totally down and risk a spine injury there but you just you do when you're running some against somebody who's you know you're you're trying to make a big play it's very natural to just put your head down and I think that's going to be a big issue across the NFL but primarily just talking about this game it seemed to be really hurting us they were very eager to call it and um, you know are you as concerned as I am about that new rule and whether or not it's going to really affect the amount of penalties we're getting on defensive side of the ball uh, yes and no and the the thing that's tricky about it is. You know, the rule really states lowering your helmet to initiate contact, which is tough because it's not so much anymore the helmet-to-helmet that they're looking for. It's the helmet-to-anywhere contact. And I think that's where it's going to start to really get tricky as guys, like you said, in natural positions find themselves, you know, they played football, you know, 20-plus years doing the same thing, trying to adjust to that. It's There's going to be a learning curve there. And definitely in the preseason, we're going to see some more of that. And you hope that the, the refs and the coaches can kind of coach them up and we'll see less and less as the league goes on. But there's definitely going to be some big-time penalties that come into play and are you know factors in games. And they're going to have to learn to play around it because obviously the league is really serious about player safety at this point. So uh, I can respect them in that sense of you know understanding the rule. Uh, but it is tough because you know there's so much reaction in this game and, and high speeds and guys that have learned how to play the game, whether you're running back and you're lowering or you're defensive back and you're, and you're going down to make a play. So it's going to be something to watch for sure. And the Rams got, like I mentioned earlier, back-to-back penalties at one point with that, and that's 30 yards, automatic first downs. It's something that's going to really kill you if you're trying to make a big stand and, and you go out and do there. So um, definitely something we're going to have to keep an eye on. You mentioned Bryce Hager. He had a great game. Uh, compared to really what else happened out there as we're trying to find good things. Uh, Trayvon Young was another guy that had a pretty good game. Uh, He had a a really good play on Lamar Jackson where laterally he had some great speed, didn't let him get around the corner, and pushed him out of bounds made the tackle. So that was good to see. Both went to Louisville. Yep, yep. Uh, Justin Lawler was another guy I thought had a pretty good game as far as uh, getting within the action. And I mentioned Michael Kaiser earlier. That guy is just a tackle machine. He ended up having four tackles total. Uh, he's always going to be around the football. I think the more that that, get, that guy gets to play, the better. Uh, so hopefully that he can continue to learn because I think he's going to have to really adjust and learn some things on you know the coverage thing as far as linebacking goes. 
Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, and I really quick want to mention the special teams um, before we get out of here. And I'm going to do that on the other side, James. We're going to have another quick word from one of our sponsors. We'll come back. We'll talk special teams. And we'll talk about how they move forward on this. So, Bear, kind of wrapping up the defensive conversation and who we were, uh, I guess, impressed with and uh, what we were looking out for, you know, the one thing that bothered me most about this whole game, one of the announcers at one point said, who's going to be making big plays here? Like, who's on, who on the Rams' offense is going to be the big playmaker of the game? And they said that very early on in, in the game, of course. But we got to keep in mind that the Rams had scored the most points per game in the NFL last year, and the two people that followed them in that stat went to the Super Bowl. Right. So this is a big time offense and a big time defense. We got Marcus Peters and a keep to leave. Yes, I know they didn't play this game, but we know that they're going to be huge as far as interceptions are concerned on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, I really hope that we meet what we did last year as far as leading the NFL in big plays and points. And with the addition of Brandon Cooks, you when you think Rams, you kind of think of big plays, big passes, uh, big interceptions, big tackles. We got Sue and Donald uh, on on the defensive side of the ball, sacked. You know, you just kind of think of of, of big plays. And watching this game, that was the last thought in anyone's yeah. mind. Like who who Zero. on this Rams squad is going to make a big play? Nobody did. Nobody on the awesome offensive side of the ball. There were no big passes. There were no big runs. Of course, yeah, we did have John Kelly, which is is kind of what I'm getting to here on the defensive side of the ball. We didn't see squat, but uh, once John Kelly got to go in, you know, he did have a big run and he was somebody in a position to, I guess, in the in relevance of the whole game, did sort of make a couple big plays. So that was one thing that really bothered me was, um, you know, the big play situation. We just had nothing going on. I mean, we do. We lost 33 to seven against the yeah. Ravens. Well, you uh, mentioned just, there, there was no attempts for a big play on the offense. They, they mentioned it even on the broadcast that I was watching at times is, you know, Mannion or whether it was McVay or whoever, however that really developed. Uh, no one was going downfield. It was a lot of short passes, a lot of rush uh, up in Mannion's face where he was getting, uh, you know, too much pressure and had to throw the ball away or, you know, took a couple sacks, the turnover. Uh, but they didn't really start going down the field. The first down the field throw uh, receiver tripped and he threw him over by like 25 yards. So you're right, no big plays. But there were a couple highlights, as we mentioned, kind of going into special teams. And be honest, James, coming into this game, had you heard of JoJo Natson before? Oh, dude, JoJo Natson's my boy. Yeah, you got the no, JoJo Natson jersey. Uh, he <laughs> was crazy impressive. I mean, he's the backup return men for now. Obviously, that's what they tried to give him a look at. At one point, I think he ended up with like 10 returns, but what I ended up writing down, and I missed probably the last couple, um, he was at seven returns with an average of 24 yards per return. And then after that, I think he had another big one. So uh, great job for him in the return game. I think he even had a couple receptions on the offense side of the ball. But if you're looking to make this team, when everyone else is doing a pretty bad job, it's a great thing to stand out. And I think JoJo Natson alongside of our two running backs, other than Malcolm Brown, I think were the big highlights for me in this game. So big ups to JoJo Natson on the special teams, really pulled his weight. We mentioned Johnny Hecker with the little shank. Only one of them, but it, it was just in One awe. too many. Yeah, one too many, I guess, for, for Johnny Hecker. And then I don't know if you noticed, but uh, they had Ficken in there punting near the end. So 
Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Is, is Ficken our new backup punter also? I mean, I think while well, you got a guy in camp and, you know, no one expects to really see Johnny Hecker, who last year, um, you know, two years ago was a Pro Bowl kicker. You know, he's been a Pro Bowl kicker many times, but uh, was used so much in the Jeff Fisher days. And then last year, not so much, but we loved kind of giving him a break. So to see him get so much action, I think they wanted to kind of save his leg a little bit, which is you don't really he expect seems coming really into the preseason. Sh- he seemed really shocked when he uh, shanked that ball. Yeah, I mean, which, which we saw good. him in training camp, and he was just nailing him. We talked about that on Locked On, the Rams podcast. And it just kind of spoke to the the overall vibe of this whole game. It was just, Hecker even shanked one? Like, yeah, jeez. No, that's right. That's, that's a good way to put a cap on it. It was really being like, at that point, everyone, in a sense, had the shanks today. Not a lot of execution. And good thing for, for McVeigh and the coaching staff, man. You get to go on the road. You had a good couple of days of practice. We heard from the Baltimore media. They were saying the Rams were kicking butt all week through practice. But that doesn't mean anything. I think these are all good you know, lessons learned. Is You can have a great week of practice. You can practice against the team great and look better on paper, look better you know, for a couple of days. But when it comes to that game day, if you can't perform, you can't execute – and you can't go out and do the things that you're doing throughout practice, or if you can't really control yourself when it comes to penalties and whatnot, then you know, you're going to have an issue, and we saw that on Thursday night. Uh, but I kind of want to put a little bit of a positive spin as we're going to wrap this sucker up. Thanks again, James Kroger, for joining us from Rams Podcast. Make sure to give everyone a follow or a shout-out or a, you know, tweet us a question at Rams Podcast, at Lockdown Rams, at LA underscore Rambling Bear, and Jay Kroger 3 James, looking forward, how, how do we really rebound and just flush this one down the toilet and just move forward? Is it just the, the fact of being like, you know, we don't, that was our second string and let our offense and our defense in before we really start, you know, being too hard on everybody? No, honestly, I, I don't want that to be the big excuse of this game. I think, every, you know, some people are saying it's the second string and the third string and, you know, playing Baltimore and they already had they had an extra week of practice and they already played against Chicago. You know what? Too bad because these guys, one, the energy was horrible. So, uh, you know, you got to come to these games with way more energy. We got to be making big plays. And two, you know, you guys are trying to earn a roster spot, a position on the squad, a squad that's being talked about as a potential Super Bowl contender tender here so i was extremely disappointed and i think one thing you know looking forward on what we can do against the texans at home you know I, hopefully that'll change things up a bit for us we won't be on the humid east coast and be adjusting to the time even though we should have been well prepared for that and away games is no excuse for the sean mcveigh era of the rams because we know we excel away um there was just something going on in this game dude and i just hope that we put this behind us and totally forget about it moving forward we need a whole new way of our energy because this is really sad. I I don't think anybody in Rams Nation would have expected a 33-7 uh, loss against uh, against Baltimore. You heard it here. No pity points from James Kroger. He's not buying it. He doesn't <laughs> care if you're first string, second string, eighth string, or just hanging out on the sideline. If you're showing up on the field, you're lacing them up. You'd be ready to go. Um, I love it. I'm going to give him a little bit more of a break because I can't wait for that first team, which in a weird way may have helped juice them up a little bit more, seeing the flatness of the second string to come out and really show everybody else how it's done. The great thing, as I mentioned, seeing a positive on this, I think is the coaching staff is such a great lesson for them to take back and really slap it in everybody's face and say, look, dude, all this hype about us, yes, our starters didn't play, 
but if we're going to represent the Los Angeles Rams, we have to bring a certain amount of effort. We have to bring a certain amount of intelligence and discipline, and those things we lacked huge on Thursday night. So excellent point for all of our coaches to make moving forward, and I expect them to uh, you know, get better every day out of this. And Sean McVay, I hope to never see you that sad again on the sideline. It made me sad, man. I can't take Sean McVay. I like my fired-up, happy, slapping hands Sean McVay. So we'll get back there again. Uh, but, man, what a butt-whipping, man. Me and you were excited all day talking, texting back and forth, tweeting me, ready to go. And, you know, it was a blowout before the first quarter was over. So a uh, little bit of a lesson for all of us, fans included. It's the preseason uh, week one, but like James says, it doesn't matter what game it is. You better bring it. <laughs> uh, James, again, thanks for coming on, my man, making time for the Lockdown Nation. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be talking to you soon. We're going to be recording a Rams podcast early next week that kind of goes over some of this, more looking forward. Uh, make sure to check that out, guys. It's more of a long-form version of me and James just talking football. Uh, we love doing it, and we love doing it for you guys, so appreciate it. Again, give us a follow. Give us a shout-out. Say what's up, Rams Nation. You know what it is. Until next time, peace. Hey, Locked On listeners. You already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.